Hello and welcome to episode 57 of the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Doris Swift. I'm talking with women who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. They're using their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ. And I hope this podcast inspires, encourages, and challenges other women to step out of their doubt and use their God-given gifts. Because every woman of God has a fierce calling, and everybody has a story. So let's tell them to glorify God and share what we know. I want to ask you a question. How many times in the past month have you felt overwhelmed, hurried, afraid you were falling behind before you even got started, and just plain rushed and exhausted? I'm right there with you, friend. That's why I know today's episode, From Hurried Heart to Growing Slow, with Jennifer Dukes Lee, is the message God wants us to hear. We talk about Jennifer's journey from agnosticism to faith in Christ, what it takes to put the brakes on a hurried life, how a growing slow year on their fifth generation family farm provided life lessons for all of us, and how that remarkable life we're chasing after, well, it's the one we're already living in. I know what my friend Jennifer has to share with you today will inspire, encourage, and challenge you. So listen in while I have a chat with Jennifer Dukes Lee. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I am excited to welcome my friend, Jennifer Dukes Lee. She lives on the fifth generation Lee family farm in Iowa, where she and her husband are raising crops, pigs, and two beautiful humans. Jennifer is the author of several books, including Growing Slow and It's All Under Control, which is amazing. She loves queso and enjoys singing too loudly to songs with great harmony. And once upon a time, she didn't believe in Jesus. And now he's her CEO. Welcome to the show, Jennifer. Good to have you. So fun to be here. Oh my goodness. Yay. Thank you. I know. Finally, we get to talk and I am excited for the listeners to hear all about growing slow because I know it's already intrigued them because it's so opposite from what the world tells us. Right. Yeah. This is a grow fast world, isn't it? (laughs) Yes. Yes. So tell us a little bit more about you and also about your story and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Absolutely. So my story is entwined in that really great question that you asked. And that's always the way it is, right? Because that was Mm -hmm. God's plan all along. So my passion has always been writing. And ever since I was a little girl, I used to walk around with a steno notepad in my home and writing down things and questions and ideas and stories. And by the time I was 16 years old, I knew in my heart what I wanted to do with my life. And it was to be a news reporter. And so I went to Iowa State University and I studied journalism. And every summer I would go to some newspaper and have an internship, whether it was Waterloo, Iowa or Sacramento, California. I drove my little geostorm at age 21 across half of the USA to work (laughs) it in Sacramento. And I can't believe that now. I'm like, mom, what were you thinking? How did you let me do that? (laughs) 
but it was so amazing. It was such a great experience. And I loved covering the news. My first job was at, after graduation was at the Omaha World Herald and I covered crime and uh, city hall. Later, I went to the Des Moines Register and I covered politics and uh, which is really exciting in Iowa because we have the first in the nation presidential caucuses. And so some people hate the news. Some people hate news reporters, but I'm actually still a news junkie and I am really excited about good journalism. And I was a um, adjunct professor of journalism for a while in Iowa. So there's this theme you see of news and there's this theme of letting people know what's happening in the news. Well, all of that was taken away from me when we moved back to the farm. And I thought, well, there goes my career as a newswoman. But aha, God had a different plan because now I am still in the business of writing about the news. And now it's all about the good news of Jesus Christ. So that's what I do. And it's looked a little different over the last 11, 12 years. Uh, started out with a blog and then it grew into social media where I still am every morning writing little devos little nuggets of encouragement on Facebook and Instagram. But then as my uh, readership grew, that turned into books. And I started writing books in 2014, and I'm still at it. And now I'm writing Bible studies too. So all of this time, God planted this idea of writing in me. And I didn't ever dream that it would end up that I would be writing essentially good news stories all the time. Because when I was a kid, Now, we went to church every Sunday, and I was ingrained in that kind of culture, but I was actually an agnostic. I pretended like I was a Christian. I wanted to believe in the the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ for people and for me personally, but I had a really hard time buying it intellectually. So as I got into adulthood, God took me on an intellectual journey that brought me straight into the arms of Jesus. And so here we are. I I hope that's kind, I mean, maybe that's similar to other people's callings. Maybe that's what you're looking for. Maybe that's, I don't know, but that's how it worked out for me. And that's how God brought me here to you today. That's amazing. And I love that because your relationship with Jesus was growing slow because he took you on a journey and, you know, his scripture that says, when we seek, we find, and I think he is excited when we seek him when we want to know more, when we don't want to just have our parents' faith and just like try to have someone else's faith. He wants it to be personal in our own. So that's really exciting. And I love that you went from news to the good news, and <laughs> but you still love the news. And I know that through a biblical worldview, now you can filter it much better than you would have when you were still questioning God. I find that amazing. I love hearing about the comeback story, like come back to Jesus or find him really for the first time and fall in love with him in a different way, you know? Absolutely. I've always felt a kinship with doubting Thomas um, (laughs) because he had a lot of really good questions. He was a great news reporter, essentially. He asked Jesus a lot of good questions. And I love that Jesus never said to Thomas, you're so stupid. Why do you ask such dumb questions. Instead, he answered the questions and he would say things like, oh, okay, I am the way and the truth and the life. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Those are the kinds of ways that Jesus answered Thomas's questions. So I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's a little bit of Thomas in all of us in different ways. And he kind of gets a bad rap for not having enough faith or whatever. But I'm super grateful for his questions because because of his questions, Jesus gives us good answers that trickle down 2000 years to find us where we are with our own questions. Yeah, I love that. I love how you brought up Thomas because it's true. I mean, we could really relate to him. And I love how God doesn't leave people out of the Bible. Like he wanted us to know that it's okay to ask questions and doubt because I want you to be able to come to me so that I can reveal things to you that you never would have learned had you not asked. And, you know, and he doesn't say, duh, or how's that working for you? Right. (laughs) He like, you know, doesn't treat us like that. He wants to have us come forward because the more that we ask and inquire, the closer we grow to him and know his character. And so I love that. Mm -hmm. So, and I love that you live on a farm and I know that oftentimes we, we think of farm life as, oh, the beauty of it and the glamour of it, but it's hard stuff, isn't it? It is about that. Yes, it's hard work. And it's also a very, very blessed work. Because we feel certainly as if as if we are co laboring with the Lord, because it's true. So our farm is about 700 acres in the northwest corner of Iowa. And as you mentioned in the intro, this is a fifth generation farm. So Scott's father, grandpa, great grandpa and great, great grandpa all farmed this same land and the farm has grown at the beginning it wasn't 700 acres but farms grow over time and they also are less diversified than they were you know it used to be kind of the way you think of old mcdonald had a farm and he had chickens and pigs and cows and goats now there are hobby farms that people have that are like that but ours is very specialized in corn soybeans and pigs so we have about a thousand pigs at any given time on our farm And one of the things about living on a farm is um, the beauty of it, the beauty of putting a seed in the ground and knowing that, you know what, there's really nothing else that we can do. This is all on God. He decides what what the weather's going to be, if there's going to be enough rain, what the conditions are in every single way. And so it's a true partnership with God and putting our full trust in him, which can be a beautiful thing, but also a scary thing. because. The truth is here on planet earth, uh, we are subjected to wild shifts in weather and droughts and floods and all sorts of things. And in fact, Doris, that is what led to the Growing Slow book. There was a year, uh, a few years ago, where we could not get in the fields to harvest the crops because of rain that wouldn't let up, finally got the crop out. And then the next year, the rains came back and farmers all over the Midwest were unable to get into these fields. They were just wet, Mm -hmm. but based on our, the pattern of God's faithfulness over time that we had observed, I just, I was just like, Scott, we just keep praying. This is just going to be a growing slow year, slow into the fields and slow out of them. And it's going to be okay. And I had that confidence for God with our fields, but you know what I realized um, is that I didn't always have that confidence of that I could grow slow. Mm. And it became a very introspective time for me because I was going through a lot of 
health problems related to my hurried pace. I had a doctor tell me that I had a hurried heart and that I was stressed out, like super stressed out. I'm like, I'm not stressed out. I know stressed out people and I'm not one of them. And in fact, I had been by this point preaching and teaching and writing books about uh, busyness Mm -hmm. and like not having so many things on your calendar and all these sorts of things, which I believe to be true and which were actual real things that I was doing in my life, but I still had this hurried heart. And what I learned is that you can have a hurried heart that doesn't have anything to do with externals, but has everything to do with what's happening on the inside. So it looks like this, even if you're busy or or you're, you're not busy, like even if you got a bunch of stuff on your calendar or you don't, when you wake up in the morning and you put your feet on the ground and you immediately start thinking, I'm already so behind. I don't, I'm, I'm falling behind in life. I'm falling behind in my marriage, in my parenting, in my faith and like everything, like the little things and the big things I'm falling behind in my laundry. I mean, it doesn't matter. Just like whatever it is, this idea that we're falling behind and that time is this enemy that has to be squeezed and worked against. We're immediately having our cortisol and our adrenaline levels get all jacked up high and we're in fight or flight mode from the moment we wake up and we function all day long like that. And it's making us literally hurry sick. Mm -hmm. And because of that kind of pace and the expectation on us, we become adrenaline junkies and it is killing us. It's killing us spiritually and sometimes physically Um, It's causing anxiety and gut problems and sleep problems and all sorts of problems because we are a culture in a hurry. Yeah. I love how you brought out that the doctor told you you had a hurried heart and then you referred to it as hurry sick Mm -hmm. because you're right. I think because the culture says that's what we're supposed to do, we fall prey to that. And then we don't even realize what it's doing. Like you were like, who, me? I'm not stressed. I'm fine. But I love earlier how you were talking about the farm because you're right. A lot of us think that a farm has all the things, as they say. But because you were telling us that farming can be so specialized and oftentimes a true working farm is specialized in certain things so that you can do certain things with excellence rather than have so much to have to do it kind of ties right into your growing slow with having to really focus on the things that God wants us to focus on. Mm -hmm. That's such a good example. Yes. Yeah. So I love that farm life. There's something just that, I don't know, it just seems like you have just such a closeness with the Lord because of the soil. So talk to us about that too, because I know in the book, you talk about our beginnings. Sure. Yeah. I'd be happy to, you know, I think that even if you're not a farmer, you can witness this. And maybe I would just encourage everybody like this summer, go plant a garden or have a little herb garden um, or grow a plant or something just so that you can have your own metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> I, I realize that I have like 700 acres to watch this lived out, but here's how it goes. In the spring, we drop seeds, millions of seeds into these fields and it goes down in the dark. And it sits there for a long time, days or maybe a week or more sometimes, where you see nothing happening, no growth. Now, if I were a corn seed, I would be freaking out. (laughs) Why am I in the dark? What's going on here? Am I ever going to grow out? You know, just kind of berating myself. But I have never once seen a corn plant freaking out. 
So, <laughs> so then comes uh, the be- the beginnings of growth, and we move into summer, and there's this lush green growth that happens. But day after day, that growth is nearly imperceptible, meaning we can't see it day by day. We can only see it when we take time to look back and think, look how far we've come in the last week or the last month or whatever it may be, that it takes time to grow good things. Hmm. And at the same time, I think that the temptation in culture is to look at upward mobility and upward growth. What is the green thing that's moving forward or what in our lives are we, where are we growing in our, our businesses or our friendships or our, whatever that thing is that you're trying to grow. Like we all want to see upward growth that, that is visible to us and to anybody else observing our life. But the most important thing, I'm telling you, the most important thing about those crops is, is what's going down the stuff that you cannot see that's underground and that's roots. And I know right now somebody's like, what did she just say? <laughs> roots. <laughs> you know, I say it like this, Doris, and you're going to let me say it like this, right? Oh yeah. Roots, roots is what some of you call roots, <laughs> mm-hmm. but where I live, we call them roots, but whether they're roots or they're roots, they've got to go down deep to hold that plant in the summer. Sometimes we'll have some pretty uh, big windstorms. And it can cause a uh, corn plant to bend over pretty significantly. You can look out on that field after a windstorm and think, well, there's no way that we're going to have a good crop off of that. But you would be surprised how come harvest that there is a beautiful harvest that we would have never predicted. And it's because those plants have such deep roots holding them in. And yeah. also during times of drought. And who, who, who here listening right now, Doris, maybe you've gone through a time of drought where it just feels like a dry wilderness. Well, that actually puts down those roots even further because they are looking for water. And that's us too, right? Like get those roots down and look for living water and get connected to our source so that we can continue to grow upward. And it's a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful metaphor. And then along comes harvest in the autumn. And we all love harvest, whether it's to hold that ripened, tomato or that ripened corn or an idea or that moment when you send your kids off to college or whatever it might be to hold that ripened thing in your hand and say, this, this is what it's all about. And to cherish and hold that close, but also knowing that sometimes harvests are less than we anticipated them to be. So sometimes harvests can be difficult for people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes harvests look like difficult endings, like Oh my goodness. Now my harvest means that my kids are out of the house and now I'm an empty nester. Mm -hmm. My harvest means I had a job that I loved and I've just retired. And now I don't know what to do with the rest of my life. It can be difficult. Yeah. And then comes winter and winter on a farm. It looks dreary and boring and like nothing is happening or growing. And that's one fourth of a whole growing season is winter. But the power of winter is that, as my husband says, winter heals the land. Because in winter, we have microbes and all kinds of things happening underneath the soil that's preparing the soil for spring, stuff you can't even see. And there is this frost-thaw cycle that happens at the end of winter that emerges rocks up to the surface. And we have to actually go out and remove those rocks from the field every spring. And the next spring, up comes more. The rocks were always there. You just couldn't see them. But if you don't take those rocks out, they will damage the equipment. 
Mm. when we get into spring. The same is true for people. We need winter seasons to get those burdens that we carry, those rocks in the soil of our heart, to have God heave them upward, that he could pick them up and take them away so that come spring, we can begin to be productive again. We aren't meant to live in a constant cycle of spring planting, summer growth, autumn harvest, and then turn right back around and start planting again. For whatever reason, God created one fourth of a growing season here where we live to be something that looks dead because that is the time when he is healing us. That is so beautiful. I love how you explained all of that because someone that isn't privy to those kind of things wouldn't realize all that goes into that and the metaphor and how it relates to us too and how a winter a season that we think is dead is not really that's right dead so and I love that I know you brought that out in your book too that you might feel like something's dead but it's not and I get and thank you for telling us how to say root is root <laughs> because I, I keep thinking if you can't see the roots, doesn't mean you're in a rut. It's like, <laughs> but you know, the, the publishers won't want that in the book. No. But anyway, <laughs> no, Doris. Actually, most people say roots, and so the funny thing is, in the audiobook and in the Bible study, I actually have an aside. It's not in the book, but it's in the audiobook. I had to write an extra little script to tell people about roots, and so it's just been a kind of a funny joke. I get, I get hassled and teased about it a lot. I don't care. It's just so funny. I just own it. But yes, in the Bible study, I'm, you know, pretty serious in the Bible study. And there, I have a little aside where I just look right into the camera and say, okay, <laughs> it's there's, been fun. There's the 411. Here it is. I'm sorry. Yeah. You don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But this so is here it is. is. <laughs> well, it's good for us to know these things. So, and I also love, it kind of ties in because you had your book, the book right before that was it's all under control, right? I have that mm -hmm. book. It's amazing. And there's a quote in that book too, which I know we're talking about growing slow, but this quote that I love where it says, when you are obedient in the weight, God will be faithful in the work and you will be awed in the wonder. And it kind of ties in with that season of waiting and that kind of thing. Yes, it does. I love it. Yeah. You know, my books are written out of a place of where I am. And so even there were a lot of farming metaphors and it's all under control too, because mm -hmm. farming is a school of patience mm -hmm. and it is a school of waiting. And I think that all of us, if we aren't in a season of waiting for something right now, we will be. And uh, there's a lot of obedience that comes in waiting. And sometimes we can't see the fruit of that obedience until weeks, months, or even years later, yeah. why we had to wait for something. And it can be uh, tempting to dismiss the, the truth of God's good and perfect timing when we're in the middle of the wait. But I think that's one of the benefits of winter, right? Is yeah. we take these moments to look back and see, ah, now I see God, where God was connecting the dots and putting together a, a puzzle that I couldn't make sense of before. Hmm. That's beautifully said. And it reminded me of something I was reading this morning. I believe it was Matthew where it talks about good trees, bear good fruit and bad trees, bear bad fruit. And, but just because you might not see the fruit right away, it doesn't mean you're a bad tree. <laughs> it means oh, God's doing that. a work, right? <laughs> He's right. Doing a work. Yeah. The, the fruit is the last thing that comes on a tree that's grown. 
you know, it doesn't get fruit at the beginning. You have to wait. That's a growing, fruit trees are growing slow metaphors for sure. <laughs> wow. That's true. That's really cool. Cause no, the last you know, thing to come is the fruit. <laughs> yeah. It's like when we, if we buy a fruit tree, we want the fruit right away, but that's not how it works. <laughs> that's right. So that's awesome. So tell us more about your book, how people can get the book and what else that they can do to connect with you, Jen. And I love, by the way, I'm on your uh, join Jen's newsletter. It's very cool. And I love how you do, what is it? 10 with Jen? Yeah. Top 10 with Jen. Yeah. Top 10 with Jen. Tell us yes. a little bit about that. Oh, sure. And so you can get that by going to jenniferdukesley.com backslash subscribe or backslash freebies, whichever you want. And because I give you a bunch of freebies too, like lock screens and worksheets and all kinds of stuff. Anyway, I send about a monthly newsletter. Um, it's 10 things that have like encouraged me, surprised me that I've learned um, in my life or in my reading of the Bible or just, I mean, it could be anything at all. I mean, it could even be a favorite recipe. Who knows what (laughs) might come to mind, but I love it. And it's been super popular and it's just so funny because I only started that. I've been blogging for a long time. I only started that newsletter a couple of years ago, but I think of everything that I ever write, that's what people love. So that's been an encouragement to me. So thank you. I'd love to have some more folks join us for that. As for the book itself, you asked, you can find all the retailers at growingslowbook.com. And right now you can get all of these really fun pre-order bonuses that we have created for people who buy the book early. And one of those things is that you get the Bible study videos for free because I've got the Growing Slow book, but I've also got a six-week Growing Slow Bible study. And over the course of a year, a gal named Christina and I have been filming videos through every season of the growing season out on our farm. And it has been, the videos are absolutely gorgeous. And and I pray that the the teaching within those videos encourages, Um, they'd be great for your Bible study group, but I just want to get those in your hands now. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to have to pay for them. So you get them all for free. And another thing that uh, we're giving away is I created a growing slow guided journal and growth tracker. So it's a season by season, month by month, where you take time to remember, reflect and return, which is a a really, in essence, the growing slow method. It helps you slow down. So you go through this process. And then at the end, you take an assessment of your growth, where it does growth seem to be languishing. Where does growth seem to be flourishing? What is God teaching me in this season? What wisdom have I, have I taken to heart? And that goes through a whole year. And that is also free for, for you if you want to grab those pre-order incentives. Thank you. That's a lot of value right there. Yeah. It's like the, the people that um, are helping me with that are, are calling it a $47 value, which I think it, I, I think it is because, you know, if you buy, if you buy Bible study videos mm-hmm. on um, online, like DVDs, they're pretty expensive. I was a Bible study teacher and did a lot of studies by some pretty well-known Bible study teachers for many years before I was into writing Bible studies myself. And one of the challenges w- was the cost of the videos. Yeah. And so when I started writing Bible studies, I wanted to figure out a way to get some of this content into people for free. Thank you. That is so generous because I'm right with you on that because I led women's Bible studies too. And the videos are expensive. 
you know, it's a separate like leader kit or something. So you have to, so this is really great. And I think it's worth more than $47 personally. <laughs> so I do too. I'm like, what do you mean only 47? No. I know, right? But, Wait a second. But, but no, I, they are really, I, I think uh, Doris, you have, because you're on my launch team, you have mm-hmm. a sneak peek at one of them. Yes. And I also, oh, I have a seventh video. I, I forgot. It's my favorite one, which is sounds like so shallow of me, but it's the behind the scenes video. Mm. It is so fun. It just oh. shows all of the things that, that we did. And, and not, video number six is probably my most favorite though, next to the behind the scenes one, because that's mm. the one where I teach about the rocks mm-hmm. and uh, Scott and I created in the barn, a wall where people send me rocks written. I mean, I have an illustrated rock in the Bible study and you write your burden on the rock and you send it to me at a post office box that I created just for all of these growing slow advocates all around the world. You send me your burden. I take it to the wall. I staple it on there and I paint over it. I pray over it and I paint over it because I feel like this is a communal act of taking our burdens before the Lord. And I wanted it. I wanted you ladies to know that I am with you in this. So it's cool to go in and see that wall and to see the stones starting to line up on the wall. My mouth is like hanging open because I was like, so in awe, that is amazing. I love yeah, that really opportunity. Cool. And you know, it, it allows the reader to feel like actually a part of this whole thing with you. And that is so important. So we are looking forward to that. So where can the readers go again? growingslowbook.com growingslowbook.com okay well you have heard it here and go grab the pre-order incentives pre-order the book and you will be super blessed this has been amazing thank you so much for being on the show thanks for having me it was awesome yeah and i would love to have you again sometime i'm here for it okay (laughs) sounds good friend well i'll talk to you soon all right take care Thank you for listening. I hope what Jennifer shared blessed your soul and refreshed your spirit. I know it did mine. We all need reminding that God's timing is not just a catchphrase. It's a purposeful path for our part in kingdom work. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, would you please share this episode with them? There are some quotes that I really love from the show. I love them all, but these were some of my favorites. It takes time to grow good things. That is so good. And how about this one? We need winter seasons to get those burdens that we carry, those rocks in the soil of our heart, to have God heave them upward, that he could pick them up and take them away, so that come spring, we can begin to be productive again. And I think this one is one of my absolute favorites. For whatever reason, God created one-fourth of a growing season here where we live to be something that looks dead because that is the time when He is healing us. Love those quotes from Jennifer. You know, friend, you may be walking through the winter season right now. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that God knows what you're going through. And I know that He has a purpose and plan for you because His Word promises that. And just as Jennifer brought out, Even things in our lives seem that they have no life left in them. God is doing an amazing work deep down in the dark soil, and He will sprout healthy, green growth, sometimes when you least expect it. 
So hang on to that hope, friend. Check out the show notes and pre-order your Growing Slow book and grab those pre-order bonuses, the six free Bible study video sessions, the behind the scenes with Jennifer, and the Growing Slow guided journal and growth tracker. Those videos are amazing. I felt such peace watching them. And it's so beautiful to see the farm and all of the things that Jennifer talked about in the show come to life. So be sure to check that out. And you can also connect with Jennifer on her sites, on Facebook, Instagram, subscribe to her email newsletter. All those links are there too. And I would love to connect with you too. So be sure to contact me on my page at daraswift.com. And if you're ready to crush doubt and step into your fierce calling, grab my free ebook, Step Out of Your Doubt and Into Your Calling. It's a quick and easy read. And I share some of my grace story in there too. Friend, God loves you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. And our calling may look different in different seasons of our lives, but each and every moment is precious. I hope you join me next time when I invite another woman who is taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.